Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? This is the Believe in Blazers podcast. I am your host, Stephen Vaughn. I'm with my co-host, my man, the positive one, Tori Jones. Tori, what is going on, my dude? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's been a minute since we've recorded, about two and a half weeks. All-Star break was nice to take some time off, and then I was a little under the weather when we were supposed to record last Friday. But we're here now, and I'm excited to talk about the masterful performance we had last game from Dave on top of some other things. Yeah, dude, and the weather. I mean, it was just it was just bad everywhere, so it was a good break. Um, and then Dame comes out, scores uh, 71 against Houston, huh? Let's just start right there real quick, Tori. Uh, 71 points, Damian Lillard. 38 shots, 13 of 22 from deep. Have you ever seen a better performance than that? I mean, <laughs> 71 points, obviously, statistically not, but, I mean, we've hit him, we've seen him hit all these types of shots before, and normally when Dame has big games, there's a stretch during the game where it seems like he's just trying to facilitate and take it easy, and I've always wondered, like, man, what if he was able to just keep that hot streak going and, like, force that hot streak for an entire game, especially against a bad team like the Houston Rockets? Well, we got that answer. Uh, with 71 points, man. I love how he just didn't really take the foot off the gas the entire time and and uh, just the shot making. He's been on fire lately, like 40 a game since the turn of the calendar in 2023. You could make the argument maybe he's the best player in the league in 2023. I mean, 40 a game, Stephen. How do you argue against that? Yeah, last 20 games, he's averaging just under 39 a game. Two shooting percentage, oh, just under 71%. 40% on three-pointers on t- over 12 attempts a game, like insane numbers. He's also putting in 7.3 uh, assists a game, so he's just killing it. Um, the funny part about that, though, Tori, is the last 20 games, in those games that you know Dave's been just on fire, probably the best he's ever played. I think it's the best I've ever seen Davey Lillard play. The Blazers are 10-10 and 10 in the stretch, so that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good number there. But the crazy part is, like, so before the game, I was talking to my brother about, you know, betting. He's like, Dame's number, 36 and a half points, like over under. Like, that's a crazy number. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. But like, how could you go under at any point? Like, you just can't. And then he goes for 41 in the first half. And I'm just like, dude, this is crazy. This guy is insane. And uh, of course, you know, you can always bet on Dame to go over. Bet online, right? That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. They always got the best odds, but you can do it there because um, they are the number one source for all sports betting. This season from pro college basketball. College basketball is coming around the corner, man. I am excited. Conference tournaments started already. Uh, you know, Atlantic Sun, you know I'm locked in. Queens College, they got the dub today. They they got the cover over one and a half over Florida Gulf Coast. You know I had that one, Tori. So head on over uh, to the website for Bet Online. Use your mobile device. Join and receive 50% welcome bonus to your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE. Believe B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. So Tori, like that, like, you know, thirty-six and a half points is his average right now. Like, can Dame really continue doing this for the rest of the season? Because I think that's where my mind goes. Is he's done it for the last twenty, right? And he's done it all season, realistically. Like since he came back healthy, he has been on fire. Blazers have about twenty games left in the season. Can Dame continue to play like this for another twenty games to? help push the Blazers into that play. And now that LeBron is out uh, for a little bit with an injury, I don't know if the Jazz are going to continue playing well. Can Dame really do this for the next 20 games and push the Blazers into that play-in tournament? I think that's the question I got. Like, I think he can do it, but it's going to be tough because I just don't know how much help he's going to get. But man, when Dame's like this, I think you know you can't hold anything back on him, man. Yeah, and a big part of his play this season has been him finishing better and I feel like that doesn't get enough attention because obviously 13 threes is a headline him hitting a shot from 36 feet is a twitter headline is a is a tweet that's gonna get a ton of likes and then of course the poster dunk was cool I mean he just did it all uh last night but uh he's been finishing at the highest clip in his career by far the highest clip I believe he's shooting like 58 percent from two when the rest of his career, he's been right around 50-ish. And I think there's a couple reasons why. It, I think he's a little bit quicker than he has been, you know, probably because he's healthier. And he's also, I think, able to uh, withstand a little bit more contact off the dribble um, because he has better balance. Because, you know, as a athlete, as a former Concordia legend, Stephen, uh, you're quite... <laughs> <laughs> Not those muscles, your core muscles are very responsible for balance. 
<laughs> and uh, and he's just he's always been a guy that's been able to you know play through contact on the drive, take bumps on the drive. But I think even more now with his core being healthier, he's able to to take that physicality even more um, and able to still turn the corner, keep his balance because that core is healthy. So he's able to get to the rim and then you know contorting on all those laps. I don't know how he ever did it with the way his core was before, um, but you know those difficult layups at the rim, he's finishing even more so now. Uh, and that's really where his game has taken a jump this season at 32 years of, of age. And rim attacks and driving is normally one of the first thing to decline. James Harden has seen it decline the past couple of years. Uh, it, it's normally something that declines once you reach 32, 33 years of age. The fact that it's taken a jump up is really impressive. So if you're asking if he can keep doing it, I mean, he's always made threes like this. Um, but a big part of his success is just being able to get downhill. And I think that's due to him being healthy. So, uh, I think it comes down to when Ant's back in the lineup, when Nurkic is back in the lineup, will he remain at this super high level of aggressiveness? Um, that remains to be seen, but obviously he has a, he has a sense of urgency right now. 22 games left in the season. The Blazers are still not in a playing spot right now. So, um, you can't roll him out, keeping it up. Obviously that. 70% true shooting percentage will be hard to maintain, though, because that's just an absurd number. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, Dame was always a good finisher, but he's gone from good to elite this season, I would say. Like, it is really a big adjustment that he has made. I think the one weakness he has really is the mid, like the mid game, the little float game, but he doesn't need it. Like, he's showing the explosiveness and the aggressiveness that he wants to get to the hit rim. He doesn't want to throw up those little floaters. He wants to attack you and really draw a foul, which. He has become elite at that as well. Like that is a skill that is so underrated in the NBA to draw a foul, and he is so good at that. Whether it's you know thirty feet from the hoop or is right at the rim, like he is drawing fouls at a great rate, and he's finishing at a really great rate. Like you said, you know I, I don't have any doubts that you know this guy is going to be playing like this the rest of the season. Maybe not averaging thirty nine or forty a game for the last twenty games, but you know he's going to be averaging thirty five, thirty four, thirty five points a game, like on a really good field goal percentage and. Um, I, I think the other thing that came out of this is like, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. Like I downplayed, I think the core injury that he had, I downplayed it a little bit. I was like, you know what? It can't be that bad. Like, you know, it is what it is. Like guys are always kind of hurt the way that he looks this season, Tori, especially, you know, like you said, since 2023 20, started the turn of the new year. Like, there's no way to not say that that core injury had a big problem with him, right? Like, the last few years, and, like, he's finally fully healthy, and he's playing at a different level that I didn't think he'd get to. Like, I admit I'm wrong on that one. Like, I, I kind of thought Damon peaked and he was going to be hitting the downslope. No, like, I, I don't know if he's played. This is the best basketball he's ever played in his career, and I don't know how it's going to stop. Like, I could see next season he has another great season just like this. So I, I think it's good for the Blazers and good for the fans as well just to know, like, Dame 100% healthy is better than he was before, which I think is so crazy at his age, but um, I tend to think you agree with me on that one. Absolutely, and I think his game will continue to age well because although he hits some insanely difficult shots, his game is real simple right now. You either guard him out to 30 feet to take away that three and he's driving past you, even if it's two defenders out there, he's beating both of them and he's getting to the rim and finishing. Or you don't get all the way out on him and he's shooting threes at a really high clip on insane volume. It's basically pick your poison. You can't effectively stop both of them. If Dame's gonna have a bad game, it comes down to, is this just an off-shooting night for him? Defensively, I don't know what you can do to slow him down right now. Um, in the past, he's struggled a little bit against some bigger, uh, stronger defenders, but with him, you know, being healthier, being, I think, a little bit quicker this year, being able to withstand that physicality, I don't even think that's really a problem for him anymore. So, um, you know, he might lose a little bit of a step as he gets to 35, 36 years old, but he does take great care of his body, and that shooting talent shouldn't fall off either. So if you still got to guard him 30 feet away from the rim, I mean, he's still going to be able to get downhill. So uh, it's afforded the Blazers a little bit more time, but at some point they do have to put a good roster around him, Steven. Yeah, no, I think the, I think you touch on it too, like the craftiness. Like I said, he's really become elite at drawing a foul and finishing around the hoop. I think that will help him when he does eventually lose that step because it will happen. Like 
Dave's not going to be at this level his whole career. It's hard, it's hard to believe that he's not going to be at this level, but it will happen at some point in his career. Man, Dame is on fire right now. It is fun to watch. Like He's one of the only reasons right now to be uh, excited as a Blazer fan because you touch on it. The roster around him, uh, you know, trade deadline came and went, and uh, big additions of Cam Reddish, Matisse Thibel, Ryan Archidiakono got to start. Uh, I know I was excited about that one. Uh, yeah. For, you know, just, you know, the big guys, uh, Matisse Thibel, Cam Reddish, how has your judgment been on them for, what has it been, like two weeks now or so? They've been on the roster three weeks. Um, you know, how do you think their fits have been so far? Uh, Starting with Cam Reddish, I know you're a big Cam Reddish guy, so give me your Cam Reddish takes. Um, oh, man, where do I start with Cam Reddish? Um, by the way, for anybody that doesn't know and is tricked by that, I was not a huge fan of Cam Reddish and, and bringing him in. And uh, I, I, my whole thing, Steven, and I've been on the record with this, is I'm just tired of taking on projects and hoping for the best-case scenario with them because the best-case scenario never seems to play out. And we've done it in the past with Mario Hazonia, Nick Stauskas, Thomas Robinson, etc., these high draft picks where every time we pick up one of these guys, I, all I hear is, well, they were a top draft pick for a reason, and Portland can be the spot to fix them and get their careers on track. And it's just like, it never really happens now. Um, it's funny cause I had a YouTube video when we signed Mario Hazonia, uh, giving my reaction to that signing. And I went through the comments and a lot of the comments was like super high potential. He'll, he'll have the right role here and he'll have an opportunity here. He's been playing in New York, which isn't a good situation. Ironically enough, that's where Hazonia came from too. And it was just eerily similar of all the things I've heard about Cam Reddish. I mean, he hasn't played bad, but he hasn't played enough games to really get a feel for it. And he's always been inconsistent. A lot of these young guys that uh, have some talent, you know, we talk about all the time with Nasir Little. They can put together a good four or five game stretch, but it's all about finding that consistency, especially for Cam Reddish shooting the ball because he's never consistently shot the three ball well. He's a career 32 percenter. Um, so, you know, he's looked good in five games, but I, I'm not going to base what I think of him off these five games. I'm going to base what I think of him of off of the other 150 games he's played in his career in New York and Atlanta. So, you know, it's good that he gets a chance, I guess, but... When it comes to, you know, you want to win with Damian Lillard, you at some point, I think you got to get guys that are proven that you know can come in and actually help them instead of uh, everything always being on these lottery tickets that haven't panned out for four years in the league. So, uh, you know, I understand why some people like the idea of him. But for me, the idea of him has been better than what he's been. And we'll see if maybe he can fulfill some of that. Yeah, Mario Hazonia, um, I will never forget after a preseason game, someone uh, that was on the radio, the Blazers radio, uh, they said that he was like a Draymond Green type. And I thought, okay, what what are we doing here? And then a lot of callers called in and was like, yeah, you know, a lot of potential. Draymond Green, no, like, let's just let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But I'm with you. Me and you have been on the same page as Cam Reddish. Like, this is the dude's third team in four years or whatever, like, there's a reason why the Hawks didn't want him. There's a reason why the Knicks didn't want him. Again, he's six foot eight. He can shoot the basketball. He moves around really well. Like you look at him and you're like, man, that guy can play basketball, but just never has translated on the court. I'm a little bit more excited about Matisse Thibel, even though I don't think he's great either, but I feel like he can fill a better role as you talk about filling like a certain role on a team next to Damian Lillard. Like how do they fit? At least with Thibel, I think, like, we know what he can do, right? We, we know his skill set is to play good defense. Now, he gambles a lot, and I will say that, like, if you watch him, now that we're watching him for four straight games, you can really see how he picks up some steals, picks up some blocks, because he does gamble a little bit, but I do think he's such a unique defender. The way his body is, the way he moves, like, there's not many guys in the league like him, and so I'm kind of okay with it. Like, we kind of, we, we bag on Eubanks a little bit for gambling for some blocks. I don't mind it as much with Matisse Thibel because he is a wing player. He's not, you know, protecting the rim at all times. Like, he's coming from behind people and blocking people. I don't mind the aggressiveness that I'm seeing out of Matisse Thibel. And, you know, small sample size, shooting 40, almost 44% from three in the first four games. Still, that shot is not great, and it's going to fall down. But um, I think... You know, I said this at the trade deadline. I think the Blazers are bringing back one of these guys, whether it's Cam Reddish or Matisse Thibel next year. And I, for me, it's an easy answer with Matisse Thibel. 
Yeah, um, Batiste Thibel could get away with those gambles because he was playing in Philadelphia and he had Joel Embiid, one of the best rim protectors in the entire NBA, to clean it up when he didn't get those steals. Unfortunately, he does not have that luxury here in Portland, so I'm less fond of his gambling here than if the Blazers had a Joel Embiid or a Rudy Gobert or just that elite level rim protector. Um, so what are you saying? What are you saying? The Blazers are going to go out and get Joel Embiid? You I mean, that right that's now? the that's the that's the pipe dream this off season. That is my dream can, target. Can we- this offseason. But uh, we get, Blazer, you want to talk about that? In. Okay, go I ahead. I do. I want to jump in real quick. Blazer fans, let's pump the brakes on this a little bit. Let's at least wait until the Philadelphia 76ers lose in the first round of the playoffs before we all start putting Joel and beat in Blazer uniforms. I understand he liked a certain tweet from a Portland media member that said, hey, Joel, what would you think of this game by Dame? Like, <laughs> it's cool. It's a cool story. I would love Joel and beat here in Portland. I would you – know, we talked about – not wanting to trade Shane Sharp. Shane Sharp is gone if we can get Joel Embiid to Portland. Like, mm-hmm. 100%. I'm see you later. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's gone. Ant's gone. Do whatever you got to do to get Joel Embiid here. Pump the brakes until Philly loses the first round, please. Like, <laughs> well, you know I what it wanna... is? You know yeah, what it is, Stephen? At this point, Blazer fans will hang on to any singular shred of hope they can get their hands on. And that's the case with Cam Reddish. <laughs> And that's the case they, with they Joel Embiid. They don't want to be negative like you, Tori. They're trying to hold on to all the positive. Well, yeah, and then they get mad at me for being negative. It's like, man, we're, we're such we're in such a desperate spot. We're in such a desperate spot. It's like if you're dating and you're desperate, Steven, and she texts you first for the first time since you started talking two weeks ago, it's a big deal because you're 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 desperate. And she texted you first. It's a big deal. Doesn't mean anything, you know what I mean? That's basically where Blazer fans are at. We are so desperate for some hope and some positivity outside of Damian Lillard that Embiid liking a tweet is 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 news to us. Cam Reddish, if he has a good game, I mean, I had people on Twitter calling him an elite scorer and Paul George Light and all sorts of stuff. So uh, that's just really where the f- a big part of the fan base seems to be at right now. Well, it's, it, it doesn't help that Dame's playing so well. Like, if Dame was hurt and he wasn't playing well, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But the fact that he's playing so well, you just, like, just give me one other guy. Like, give me an elite dude next to him. Like, I tweeted that out. Like, I just want to see one more run with Dame. Like, one more Western Conference Finals run with Damian Lillard somewhat in his prime at age 33, 34. It's not going to be this year. Probably not next year. But, like, I don't know. Maybe next year if they can get a guy like Embiid. It's like, I I just want to see one more run, Tori. That's all I want to see with a healthy Damian Lillard, man. Because that dude plays so hard and he represents Portland so well. Like, I just want to see that. And so I understand where Blazer fans are at. And I understand the excitement they get when they see Joel Embiid like a tweet. Or when, uh, you know, there's any type of... Uh, any type of connection here to Portland, but let me just tell you, there's been a lot of guys that have connected to Portland and uh, none of them. And I count them on my hands. None of them have come to Portland. So let's just pump the brakes a little bit on that one. Now I will say there is a former Philadelphia 76er center on the market. Tori Nerland's Noel. He just got bought out by the Pistons. Uh, he's been connected to the Blazers for you know past couple seasons, I believe. What uh you would you be okay with the Blazers uh kicking the tires on Nerland's Noel and if you do like what's the type of fit you see here in Portland? Uh, I would sign him because the Blazers need size. <laughs> Trenton Wofford's the backup center right now. He plays like he's six foot four. He he just doesn't jump high and he's what's he listed at? Steven six foot eight. I'll I'll look it up right now. I think he's truly like six six. I think the hair adds a couple inches. He's listed at 6'9". There's no way he's 6'9". How is he listed as 6'9"? I saw him in person, man, and he doesn't look like he's much taller than Ant. Um, I would love to see his height without shoes because he must have been wearing some cinder blocks when he got measured at the draft combine a couple years ago. Because, uh, yeah, he's he's just... Maybe it's part that he plays a little bit smaller than he is because he doesn't jump well, but... All right, now, according to the internet, according to my quick Google search, uh, he measured six, seven and a half barefoot. They let him stand on his toes. Um, but six, 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 eight and three quarters in shoes. He's he's just, Turner Watford's not a center. That's the problem, is they're playing a dude that is closer, in my opinion, to being a small forward than a center at the center spot. And the thing is, he can't play small forward either just because he doesn't have the athleticism, the quickness, or necessarily the, the shooting ability 
to be able to play that position well. But he is he is not good as a center, Steven. Um, I wish he was three inches taller, four inches taller, because I think he'd be fine. But just with his lack of height, his lack of length, his lack of uh, jumping ability, he just gets crushed on the boards. And he ha- he is an absolute non-factor as a rim protector. An absolute non-factor. Um, he might be the worst interior defender of any center that's playing in the league right now. I don't think you're wrong, but I think it's because he's not a center. Like you said, like I've always said, like I've always said, like if he turned out to be best potential, it's Kyle Anderson who, you know, like that's the way he is, but Kyle Anderson is not a center. Like that's not the way he is. It's not the way he plays. And I, I think it's the same thing with Wofford. Like, he does things that I like. Like he's a very skilled player. He can handle the basketball. He can make a nice pass. He can read the defense a little bit. Um, but you're right. Defensively, it just kills the Blazers. So I think you know if Nerlens Noel did show an interest in Portland, I, I think I'm with you. Like I would love to see him be brought in here because right now, you know, Drew Eubanks for all the things that we've said about him, like he's filled in fine for Nurkic. Like he's the only center, and he's not even you know. He's not even a good center, but he's the only center they got. And he's done a good job as being that on the team. So if you can add another size in Nerlens Noel, I don't think he can hurt. Um, the thing is, is is Jody. is Jody's the question mark there. Because I'm sure Cronin, I mean, you'd probably cut Archie Diacono, um in order to make that signing happen. I'm sure Cronin would be willing to do that because... I mean, basically, the only the only scenario you need Archie Diacono in is if both Dame and Ant are out. But if both those guys are injured down this stretch run, we're not making the playoffs anyway. We might as well play freaking Eubanks at center in that scenario and tank the rest of the year if both those guys are missing. Like, it becomes completely pointless. So, with one of the guards back, with Dame back last game, still no Ant, Ar- Archie Diacono didn't even play. Keon Johnson saw a few minutes, but Archie Diacono didn't even play. So I know Cronin said they wanted like an insurance point guard that could run the offense, and that's why they were okay with bringing him in in the Josh Hart deal. But I mean, he, he this team doesn't need him. This team needs size. This team needs center depth, and you know maybe power forward depth. Unfortunately, there's really no good options there, and a lot of fans that, like the trade deadline, said the Blazers got more length and got more size, but Cam Reddish is a wing. He's a shooting guard, small forward type. Matisse Thibel is a wing, too. We got wings. We didn't address the four or the five spots, which has been our biggest er issue areas in terms of depth and just overall quality so far this year. So the fact that they didn't do it at the deadline was extremely frustrating to me. They have the chance to potentially shore up that center position right now. Nerlens Noel would help this team a lot just because he'd be a better rebounder and a better interior defender than Trenton Watford. He's an absolute non-factor offensively, but, I mean, this team just needs a big that does big man things at the backup center spot with Yusuf Nurkic out. And then when Nurkic comes back, then you maybe have a battle for the backup center spot with Eubanks and Noel, but... I mean, the question is, is Jody willing to shell out an extra half million dollars for this roster right now? Because um, if they sign Noel, he'll be on a prorated contract. Basically, it's a quarter of the minimum uh, because there's only a quarter of the season left. So it's not even the full minimum contract. It doesn't put them into the tax. They are way below the tax line now. So they could sign Nerlens Noel. It just comes down to, is Jody willing to spend 500 k the fact that we have to ask that question, is our owner willing to help out potentially the greatest Blazer ever, arguably, who's having maybe the greatest season in Blazer history, is our owner willing to spend half a million dollars in order to help him out? The fact that we have to ask that question is sad. Um, you're talking about a franchise that's worth, what, three, four billion dollars now? Will she spend half a million to help out Dame? And that's why, yeah, no, you're right. And that's why... As soon as Jody Allen and Burt Colton can get out, that would be great. And uh, as soon as Phil Knight can come in and become the owner of the Blazers, that would be even better. Because you know at that point, like, he's going to spend money to bring in anybody. And he's going to put guys out there that he thinks are going to help. So I'm with you. I don't know the answer if they're willing to spend just that little bit of money to get Nerlens to well. But I do think that he could help. Um, not a big, not a big, massive difference. But I do think, obviously, he can help just because, you know, he's a born body that's tall and can fill in a role now, Tori, I will say this. Um, there have been some Blazer people talking about 
the way Joe Cronin has set up this team and this roster at the trade deadline and really sets him up for a big time move uh, in the offseason. You know, so maybe Nerlens Noel isn't even going to be a part of the, like a thought. I thought about it this season. Do you think that they're really making making it for a move for the offseason? Like, is that really the ultimate play, just based off what you think with this roster? For anybody saying that the Blazers used the trade deadline to set themselves up for a big move this offseason, my question would be, what specifically did they do at this year's trade deadline that helped set them up better for a big move this offseason? Because people will say that, just like they said it at last year's trade deadline, but a lot of the time there's not much of an explanation with it. And that's always kind of baffled me. And last year it was, um, oh, well, the 20.8 or the $21 million trade exception, which they used to absorb Jeremy Grant. Okay, well, yeah, that was an asset that helped uh, get Jeremy Grant without giving much up. The other thing at last year's trade deadline that was supposed to set the Blazers up for the offseason was Eric Bledsoe's non-guaranteed contract, and now that's dead money on our books. So if anything, it has hurt us for the future. So that's my question, is what specifically did Joe Cronin do to set us up for a big move this offseason? Because sure, the Blazers can pull off a big move, but if... We talked about Joel Embiid. If the Blazers trade for Joel Embiid, it's going to be Shane Sharp... Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, and then future picks. Um, you know, some combination of future picks. And now it gets iffy with the Chicago pick, and we've talked about that. Uh, but that's what the trade is. But, How- don't you th- but don't you think that is kind of setting up for the offseason, just in case there is a person like Kevin Durant or Joel Embiid that wants out, and then you're saying, okay, well, at least the Blazers have a package of Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, and you know, maybe a lottery pick and that Knicks pick, like they have at least some assets available. Do you, do you not give Cronin any credit for that? I mean, the only difference is you have that Knicks pick and maybe a couple second round picks. But if you're making a splash for a big time player, second round picks are meaningless because it's a player of such magnitude that no, you got to get back real assets. I mean, the Suns had second round picks they could have traded to Brooklyn. I don't think they included a single second round pick. It was first and quality players for Kevin Durant. So the second round picks pretty meaningless to me. Maybe he can use them to change the protections on the Chicago pick or whatever. But if it comes down to Joel Embiid, you would just unprotect that Chicago pick at that point because that team's going to be in the playoffs next year anyway. Um, so literally every asset except for that Knicks pick was here before the trade deadline. And that's kind of my, my thing is we're talking about the trade deadline as if it was some huge play to set up the Blazers for a big move this offseason. The only difference is we might have the 22nd pick. Yeah, and that would not be a uh, huge asset moving uh, moving forward. I, I, yeah, I agree with you, but I also agree with like just the, the thought that maybe the Blazers can pull something off just to be positive, but you're probably right. Um, Cronin didn't do much to help out except for get that Knicks pick, but that is something at least. And um, I I will give them a little bit of credit with the Shaden Sharp pick. Like they, they hit on that. What, you know, regardless of whatever you think of Shaden Sharp right now, I think he does have value around the league, which isn't necessarily always true. Even with, you know, the number seven pick in the draft, like you can see guys are like, all right, well, these guys really aren't going to be much. I think Shaden Sharp does have some potential, right? And I think he has some value around the league. So if a guy does become available, you have at least two really good young players that you can put in that trade. So I, you know, I'm going to give Joe Cronin a little bit more credit than you are. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't see, I don't see a move that's going to happen really going forward like that. Yeah. He just, I don't know. He had those assets already. So it wasn't really the trade deadline to me. They are in position to make a swing, which is why I think Blazer fans have more help for a Joel Embiid because Shane Sharp and Anthony Simons is a great start, but um, having Shane Sharp, was tanking last year put us in position to have that asset you know um it was the losing last year so i just that's that's my question for anybody saying the trade deadline was a big play to to make a splash uh this offseason is what specifically did we accomplish at the trade deadline to put ourselves in that position because if anything we we passed up a guy that could have made it a little bit easier to make a swing uh and that's james wiseman who had 23-7 and seven today on 82% shooting for the Pistons. Now, they're going against the Hornets. It was a tanking game, but he's looked good so far in limited action in Detroit, and that would have been an extra, you know, $11 million of outgoing salary in order to match contracts, you know? Maybe um, 
you know, for Joel Embiid. Maybe you can trade Nurkic elsewhere and get another asset because I'm sure Philadelphia, if they blew it up, they would value the young, high potential big man in James Wiseman over a use of Nurkic in that trade package. So not only would he be a potential commodity, he would also be some some salary that you could use um, in certain trade packages in order to match something coming in and Joe Cronin had that on the table for Gary Payton the second from Golden State. Instead, Golden State flipped Wiseman for five second round picks, and that's what we got for GP2. We got second round picks instead of Wiseman. I think Wiseman would have helped us make that play this offseason more than second round picks would. Well, what's the deal? Okay, let me ask you this, because you just said earlier in the pod that you don't like the trades for the Blazers when they're going after basically, you know, a lottery ticket, right? Cam Reddish, a guy who has failed. Um, Matisse Thibel, not really necessarily in that, but, you know, a Cam Reddish type. What's the difference between Cam Reddish and James Wiseman? He he was the second pick in the draft. He was a high, highly recruited high school guy, barely played any college, played, what, three games at Memphis, I believe. Um, hasn't played really much in the NBA. Like, what's the difference between Cam Reddish and James Wiseman? Like, why are you willing to give Wiseman a chance, but not Cam Reddish? If you roll the tape back... Uh, I said a lottery ticket that's already played in the year for four years. Cam Reddish has played 150 games in average 25 minutes a game. Wiseman's played 63 games and Wiseman's actually been playing for a, a good team, a team that won the championship last year. So when he does play, he's a, almost a complete afterthought, right? Whereas Cam Reddish has played in Atlanta and New York has had the chance to do some things with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, it's not like he's a featured option, but he's had a little bit more uh, of a chance at responsibility um, in, in New York and Atlanta. So that's the thing with like Stauskas, Zonia, and Reddish is you had this big sample size of them just not playing well. Whereas with a James Wiseman, he's been kind of banged up and that's limited some of his play. His situation has limited some of his play and he's only played in 63 games games uh at 18 minutes per game so that's the type of lottery ticket where it's like okay i take a chance on that especially since it's not the type of player we already have because that's another problem with taking a chance on cam reddish in my opinion is we need we need depth at the center and power forward position you know if we needed a wing and and we were struggling at the wing spot then i would be more okay with taking on cam reddish but uh we needed center depth so that's why i would have been in favor of james wiseman yeah, and to be transparent, I uh, I agree with you. I just played devil advocate mm-hmm. a little bit with you. I like the challenge. I like yeah, I like no, the challenge of me. I uh, yeah, um, I I think Wiseman would have been a good a good fight. No, I've been thinking about this since you said it. Like, why do the Blazers always do this? Like, who? Like, what is the point of going after these guys? And I think the problem always goes back to Mo Harkless and Alfred Camino. Like, they weren't very good. They got to Portland. They had their best best years of their career, and then they flamed out again. And I think fans really jump on that, where it's like, oh, look, you know, the, the culture here. Cam Reddish can have, you know, be the best he can be because he's in Portland. We've seen that with Aminu and Harkless. I think they ruined it for everybody. Am I wrong on that? I mean, we had uh, Aminu kind of at his peak, but... But he wasn't um, any. But he wasn't anything until he got to He Portland. wasn't any good, but the, what's funny to me is, like, when he was here, people blamed him for everything. But now that, it's now yeah, it's yeah. In, that. Hindsight, in hindsight, it's like, oh no, he was actually okay. No, we like him. He's good. Bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're searching for the next Alfruk Aminu. Isn't that sad? Because when we lost the Pelican series, I remember a lot of people were saying, oh well, Alfruk Aminu is not a good enough shooter to make the Pelicans pay for trapping Dame. Which, ironically enough. He shot 43% from three in that series. He yeah, wasn't the know, issue there at you all. Know he's a better shooter than he's better shooter than Matisse Thibel. And Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, a 32% of first career. Because that's the thing. If we got Matisse Thibel and Cam Reddish after 2018 when we got swept by the Pelicans, I don't think people would have liked it as much because everybody was saying Maurice Harkless and Alfred Camino aren't good enough shooters to make teams pay for trapping Dame. We need forwards that can play defense like Harkless and Aminu can, but also shoot the three ball at a more consistent rate. But the thing is, our defense has gotten so bad that nobody even cares about if our forwards can consistently knock down threes at all. It's just about, can they play a lick of defense? <laughs> there was a uh, play in the first half of this last game, I remember, and uh, they trapped Dame, and the ball ended up with Batiste Seibel for wide open for three, and he totally just bricked it. And I thought, mm, can't wait to see that in the play-in tournament. Now... Speaking of the play-in tournament, Tori, the Blazers may have got a little bump to make the play-in tournament, huh? Shams Sharania reporting out there that uh, LeBron James 
likely to miss an extended period of time with his right foot injury that he suffered on Sunday against the Mavericks. Now, of course, Sharania also puts out that James miraculously played through the injury. I mean, just unbelievable. Just I can't believe how much pain he would have been in, and he played through it. It's just an insane thing. Nobody would, nobody besides LeBron would do that, Tori, but LeBron did, LeBron did it, and now he is paying for it. He could be out for multiple weeks. You look at the standings, the Blazers are half game above the Lakers, and we talked about this at the deadline. We both thought the Lakers passed the Blazers talent-wise at the trade deadline, but if with LeBron out, I don't think you could put the Lakers in front of the Blazers. Blazers tied with the Pelicans, who lost to the Magic on Monday night. Does the LeBron injury really open up a spot for the Blazers to sneak into the play-in, whether it's the Jazz or the Pelicans who have struggled? Or, you know, I think Minnesota's probably going to be in. Golden State looks like they've finally started to turn around. They should be in the playoffs. But, you know, it's going to come down to those four teams, Jazz, T-Wolves, Pelicans, Lakers, and the Blazers. Uh, does the LeBron injury, does it make it where the Blazers should be favored to get into the play-in tournament? Um, if I had to bet on if they would or and of wouldn't. course you're be- making the bet a bet online. Of course, way, also. of course, yes. of course. Of course. I, I would probably say that they'll make it. I'm not sure how much that injury necessarily changes things. Um, I don't want the Blazers to make the play in because somebody on another team got hurt. I want them to make the play in because they're good enough. So, um, you know, you never want to see players get hurt in general. Uh, especially LeBron at his age, you don't want to see him start being injury injury prone because he's been healthy his entire career. Like, despite the fact that he's a Laker and everything, um, you never wish that on a player. But um, even from a standings picture wise, obviously it's a little less competition for the Blazers. Um, but man, I. I just, I want the Blazers to be good enough to get the spot that they get. I don't want them to get the spot that they get because Zion might be out for the rest of the year and Steph's still out and LeBron's out. And I know the Blazers have dealt with some injuries, but it's like... I was going to say, can I argue that the Blazers have been missing their second best player and maybe their fourth best player on the team? You know, Nurk and Simons have been out. Like, I mean, is that not, is that not a fair argument? I mean, yeah, you know, it's every team deals with injuries. It's just this team has been so mediocre this year. It's like if they make the play in and they're not better than they've been uh, for the majority of this year, what does it matter? Because they're not going to have a chance of doing anything. It's kind of my whole thought process on it. And I know a lot of fans are rooting for playoffs. And yeah, it'd be cool to see a playoff run, but. I either want them to get, you know, a five or a six seed, because believe it or not, they're only one loss behind the fifth place Los Angeles Clippers, who are 33 and 30. Blazers are 29 and 31. Um, they're only one loss behind the Clippers. Uh, I, I want to see him get like a five or a six seed, or I want to see him see them lose every game for the rest of the year and have the sixth or seventh best odds at Victor Wenbanyama in the draft lottery. I want one of those two scenarios. I don't want them to like squeak into the play-in and then if they lose, they have the 13th pick and almost zero chance at Wemby. Um, or if they make it in, they're the eighth seed and get swept by the Nuggets in the first round. So um, yeah, I mean, it does open up the door a little bit competition-wise, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly don't really care. <laughs> you sound like a uh, a new school NBA fan, like uh, analytics wise. Layups, <laughs> layups are threes. No mid range. No mid range. You just want them to be good or terrible. And, and I don't disagree with you. Um, I I just don't think that. And I've said this before. I think Dame is too good to tank. Like if he plays, the Blazers aren't going to be good enough to tank. But I don't think the roster is good enough to make the playoffs. So, um, I think with the LeBron injury, it does open it up because again. At some point, I think the Jazz are going to start losing, but it's been 62 games and they really haven't started losing. They're still 31-31, but I think at some point like they're going to start losing. The Blazers should be better than Utah, so they could really sneak in to maybe get that 9 or 10 seed. Um, you know, If they go on a little run, you're right. You know, They're right there still. For how bad they've played, they're still only two games back of sixth, two and a half of fifth, even three games to Phoenix. Like, I mean, this team is still relatively close to the playoffs, so one run and they can get right in it. Um, I don't. I I think you're going to be disappointed that they're not going to lose every game or they're not going to win all these games and get to five or six. I think they're going to end up right around nine or ten and make the play in and probably not make the uh, actual playoffs. But I do think if you want the Blazers to make the playoffs, I think I think the LeBron injury is huge for the Lakers. Um, just because you know I'm a big Anthony Davis fan. I think he's awesome, but you really can't rely on him. And so I think Portland right now with LeBron out should have a better roster than the Lakers. 
I think it's going to be down to Utah and Portland then for that final spot, and I, you know, I think Portland should have it over uh, the Jazz. So, I you know, I for one, I for after all the season, this has been Tori. It's been kind of a up and down season, really high at the start, then really low lows. I wouldn't mind to see a play it game. Why not? Be fun. Yeah, it'd be stressful too. Um, but yeah, like like it would just be like one of those things. It'll get your uh, get your emotions going. <laughs> My whole thing, man, is okay. So they're going for it. Why? Why are they resting Dame and Jeremy Grant after seven days of rest when they have two days of rest after that? And people are like, "Oh, well, it's due to the snow, and you know their routines are thrown off." Let me let me ask you a question real quick about this. I've had I've yeah. asked so many people this question. So I saw on Twitter numerous people say. It's not the players because the players are getting a lot of blame, especially in all the media about the load managing that the players are getting, not the teams. And now I'm seeing a lot of media members that are close to the players saying it's not the players at all. It's the team. But do you really think if Damian Lillard wanted to play against the Kings and the Blazers said, no, you need to rest. And Dame said, no, I am playing like they're just going to take his jersey away. They're not going to let him play. Like I, I think there is some blame on both the players and the teams. I don't. I think it's unfair to put it all on the all on the players or all on the teams. But I feel like now it's getting reversed, where the teams are getting a lot of blame. I think if the I think if Dame wanted to play, he could have played. I mean, you see the way the dude played the game after. I think he absolutely wanted to play. A dude that wants to play and wants to make a playoff run does not come out and play the way he did dropping 71 and so just busting so his ass all over the court. So I you mean, blame the teams? I'm just... Because, if, because he, I, if he didn't I, really care to it, play, Steven, I'm really confused because the, the dude looks like a dude that's playing for his life out there, his playoff life. And he went around to everybody in the... Or, you know, Nasir Little, Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, there was this report that he was telling him, it's go time, we gotta go, like, it doesn't seem like he didn't want to play. I'm really confused if he didn't care to play that game. But but wouldn't it be, see, I think if Dame really wanted to play, he could just be like, no, dude, like, I'm playing, you can, you literally cannot force me to not play. Like, you cannot say that you're not playing if I'm healthy. Are they allowed, like, what, where is the chain of command in terms of deciding that, though? I think would that, they uh, not be they, able to rest him if he was like, I "No, I'm playing." Like, could they override him? It goes back to uh, just how this team is run and how it's terribly run. I think that's just another yeah. uh, function of it, right, Tori? Yeah, that's my thing. Is like, okay, we're going for it, but we just accept an automatic loss coming out of the All Star break when we have two days of rest after that for rest reasons for Dame and Jeremy Grant. Like, and people were saying, "Oh, well, you can't mess with players' routines." Well, it's like we're playing everybody else. And it's not like anybody got injured in that game, right? Except for Archie Diacono, I guess. But, you know, he doesn't play <laughs> anyway, so it was his first action in a while. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's just not consistent. It's And that's my whole thing with this team is, like, pick a direction. Help Dame at the trade deadline or, you know, uh, try and tank. Like, it just seems like everything is, is kind of up the middle. And in my opinion... That's the problem, you know, is, yeah, they're going to go for it, but they accepted a loss out of the All-Star break, a game that, you know, they were competitive in until in the fourth quarter. If you had Dame and Jeremy Grant in that game, they could have beat the Kings, and we could be, we could talk about them being in a playing spot right now. So, I don't know. I hated that. That didn't make any sense to me. We'd literally be tied for eighth right now um, if, if we won that game, and we could have, so... Do you, do you hate that? Like, do you understand that? What's your... I, I hate it. Yeah, I, it didn't make any sense. And then they didn't start Shaden Sharp either. Like, like again, what is the direction of this franchise? Nobody knows. Like, okay, okay, so we're going to rest Dame, right? We're tanking. Let's start Shaden Sharp, the dude that has a lot of potential, the dude that has a lot of value, the guy that we want to see a lot of minutes for. No, we're going to start Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibel and let them play. We're going to start Ryan Archidiakono, who we just talked about, Tori, doesn't even belong on the team. Like, he's not even good enough to be really on this roster, but they just need that, you know, that point guard at the end of the bench for some reason. Like, start Shaden Sharp then. But no, they don't do that either. Like, there is absolutely no direction, and I, I can't be convinced otherwise until there is something proven to be and it just isn't going to happen i don't think this season and i hope that it happens in the off season but i just have no faith in it and another example of this happened uh on monday dame goes for 71 points right on sunday it was awesome it was great you know what the blazers did they sent out their season ticket renewals the next day 
celebrating the fact that Dame scored 71 because it was the one positive thing that they've had. Like, I think you're right. Like, they just want to be in the middle right now. They don't care. They want to make the play in. They want to be in the eighth seed in the playoffs because then they can sell the fact, oh, look, we're in the playoffs. We're going to make a few million dollars for having a couple playoff games. Like, it's it's just, it's that's the worst spot you can be in the NBA. I think the Blazers have done this for a couple of years now. And it's the wor- absolute worst spot you could be in the NBA is in no man's land. And that's where they've been. And that's where they're going. I don't, I want to hope. And I want to think that they have a move that they can pull in the offseason. I just don't see it. And all the things that they do on and off the court are the exact same. It proves that they want to be in the middle. It is just, it's sad as a Blazer fan, because when you have a guy like Damian Lillard and you know, you and me have gotten in arguments about this. Like I still would have Clyde over Dame, but it's very close but when you have a guy at Dame's level and how good he's been playing right now, like you could argue he's the best player in the league right now, or you know, top five, top three, and you're not doing anything to help, and not doing anything to help him build for the future with him as your main guy, like it's sad, man. And that's just the way it's been with the franchise for a couple of years now, and that's the way it looks right now. Like there's no getting out of it. I don't know how they're gonna do it. Yeah, and it's not the best for development either when you have Shaden Sharp play a really good four games before the All-Star break, scored between 13 and 15 points in all those games, shot above 50% from the field in all four of those games, and it was probably his four best four-game stretch of defense the entire season going into the All-Star break. And then he supposedly sits out the dunk contest so he can focus on the second half of the season, and then Archie Diakono starts... And there was talk about how, like, Chauncey was deciding between, before Dame was rested, he was deciding between Cam Reddish, Matisse Thibel, and Shaden Sharp for two of the three starting spots, and then Dame gets out, and Sharp doesn't start. And in that Kings game, he looked lackadaisical. He looked like he had no energy. He looked like he didn't really care to be out there. He's 19 years old. You have to parlay young players' good play into increased opportunity because Sharp was playing with a ton of confidence on both ends of the court. The most confidence he had played with all season long. Coming out of the All-Star break in a game that you're accepting a loss in by resting Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant, your head coach doesn't show that he has confidence back? That's not good for a young player's mentality. And he has not played well on either side of the floor the last two games. Extremely frustrating for me. Now, here's the thing. You know, there are... I've heard some things that Shane Sharp still needs to work on a lot of his um, his mentality, right? Like, the way he approaches the game of basketball. And maybe this is a way that Chauncey is trying to make him tougher. Trying to put a little pressure on him. A little adversity. Um, but I agree with you. Like, if Shane Sharp is going to be your guy, and I think... I've said this before. I don't know if you agree with this story, but I think the future of the Blazers, like if they ever do become a championship contender, it's probably with Shaden Sharp in the backcourt and it's Dame and Shaden Sharp and you're trading Anthony Simons because I think Shaden Sharp could be like a really good player next to Damian Lillard. Like you have to play him minutes and you have to get him experience. I don't care what you're doing. Like when the Josh Josh Hart trade happened, I was excited because I thought Shane Sharp was going to play a lot more. In those four games, like you said, he played really well. And then you come into the next game against the Kings where Dame and Jeremy Grant are resting. You're like, this is a game Shane Sharp's going to get 35 minutes. He's going to start. He's going to get a lot of shots. No, that just didn't happen. So, again, it just goes back to the direction, man. And I don't know if it's just they're trying to, you know, put some adversity in front of his way and see how he reacts. But he didn't look good against the Kings. And uh, it's just disappointing because you want to see – you don't want to coddle him, right? You don't want to, it's the fine line. You don't want to coddle him, but you also want to go show some confidence in the guy, the kid. Like he's 19 years old. Like he's, he's still learning how to play basketball. He's still learning just how to be professional. I think it's just a lot to throw at him. If you're not going to show a lot of confidence in him. Yeah. And I mean, my issue with that is he's 19 years old. He's going to deal with adversity as a byproduct of being a 19-year-old rookie who didn't play in college. He's going to have areas where he struggles and has to figure it out. You don't need to manufacture adversity for him that messes with him mentally. Um, you know, it's. I think his mental approach to the game, the four games before the All-Star break, it looked better. He looked um, just like he had higher energy, especially on the defensive end. Um he just he he looked different I think before the all-star break and I would have loved to have seen that rewarded and it's funny because Nasir Little got the start against Sacramento and had his best game of the season five for nine from three as 24 points and then the next game he doesn't start and his minutes are cut down to 30 or cut down to 22 meanwhile Matisse Thibel's playing 36 
Matisse Thibault's playing 36 minutes. It's like, Nas, we've talked about how he's inconsistent. Um, but the only way you're ever going to figure out if he can find some sort of consistency is if you give him consistent minutes. And it's like, he has a great game. Start him the next game and see if he can keep playing like that. Because I think Nas hasn't been as bad defensively as he's been earlier in the season. I mean, Cam Reddish is just a major question mark. Like, you don't know if he's going to be a good player or even back next year. You have Nasir Little under contract. Um, Nasir Little's role and his playing time, partially due to injury, has been all over the place his entire career. I mean, after starting him against the Kings and him having a really good game, I would have liked to have seen him start uh, that previous game against the Rockets as well. But, I mean, he plays 22 minutes, shoots three for three from three. I mean, he's, you know, he's on one of those hot shooting stretches that we always talk about, Steven. You know, at some point he'll have five games where he doesn't make a three. But uh, I pl- play him more. I don't want to see it go back to, because this is what's happened this season. He'll have a hot shooting stretch and then... One game, he doesn't shoot the three ball too well, and he plays like 13 minutes. Then when Chauncey's asked about it, he says, oh, Nasir had some missed defensive assignments or some defensive mistakes. Why is Nasir Little's minutes getting cut for defensive mistakes when this entire team is one massive defensive mistake? (laughs) That's uh, 100% true. I I get it. This is the direction, man. There is no direction for this team. Like, I have no idea what they're trying to do, right? Like, are they trying to develop Nasir Little? They're trying to uh, develop Shane Sharp? Or are they trying to develop uh, Matisse Thibel or Cam Reddish, who have been in the NBA for a couple of years and gotten a lot of run? Um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know, Tori. It's just uh, it's disappointing. But with all that said, Blazers still uh, have a shot at the play-in. And uh, so, yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. You got anything else to add real quick? No, man. I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see if Dame can drag this team to the promised land of the play-in. Literally dragged his team uh, to the playoffs. Once again, Damian Lillard for about the 75th consecutive season carrying the Blazers franchise on his back by himself. What a dude that guy is. Uh, All right, so that's going to wrap it up here for the Leave in Blazers podcast presented by Bet Online. Of course, catch Tori at Tori Jones YT on Twitter, Blazers Uprise, all their good stuff that they put out there. Uh, Hit me up at Steven underscore V-O-N on Twitter. Love all the comments we get in the YouTube comment area. We read them all. We like them all. We uh, talk about those. And, uh, you know, we, we, we like to construct our show and uh, fix it if we li- if there's things you guys like, things you don't like. So please let us know that. We want to thank everyone for listening. For Tori Jones, I am Stephen Vaughn. As always, Blazers, come on, do something. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.